we thought Disney was just having the worst year they've ever had and that it was going to be just just disastrous for Disney. In 2019, they had $7 billion movies. Yeah. And they didn't have one this year. So the number one song is... Jason Aldean. Jason Aldean's Try This in a Small Town. This vice president apparently thought sending Dylan Mulvaney a case of beer with his face on it and having him promote Bud Light in March was going to be a great idea. Who boy... Were they ever wrong? We've made progress this year in the culture war, and the work is ebbing, but it's it's still very much. Progress. I mean, the point we could make is is the increased development of alternate alternative media studios yeah. like Daily Wire. The woke trend of the year, downright evil in this case. Right. Or, so, do you want to yeah. tell them what it is, Andrew? Yeah, it's the. Hello, welcome to the Pop Culture Contrarian podcast with Thomas Sterling and Andrew. Hello. Hey, everybody. Today is uh, December 14th for us. You'll be seeing this later, but we're going to be doing an end of year wrap up, talking about everything that's gone on in 2023, some notable things we want to point out, giving out a kind of award show, and then maybe a little bit about 2024 as well. So let's start right off with our, what we're calling our PopCon casualties. Yes. These are kind of predictions we made this year that we feel like didn't quite land the way we expected. We failed. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. Big old failures, that's us. But so, it only gets better from here, right? It, yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Exactly. We've got all our failing out of the way, now it's just success. Yes. Yeah, we're never going to fail again. Ever. <laughs> we'll be Elon Musk by next Christmas. All right, so our first PopCon casualty, uh, and we'll just, I'll throw this out for discussion, we'll discuss why we think it changed, is we were saying... Uh, kind of when we first launched the podcast in, in July, that we thought Disney was just having the worst year they've ever had and that it was going to be just, just disastrous for Disney and that these releases like Little Mermaid and Indiana Jones were just completely not meeting expectations. And you might be hearing me say that and say, well, that's true, isn't it? Uh, so can you guys kind of comment on that and what you were thinking at the time and maybe what you feel now? Well, how would you say that we were wrong first, maybe just... Yeah, okay, so I'll, I'll point out why I think this is a casualty for us is because the movies we were specifically highlighting as failures for Disney were Ant-Man 3, Quantumania, Indiana Jones 5, and then the Little Mermaid movie. And all three of those now, when you look at the box office for all of 2023 and compared against everything else that's come, come out, those are reasonable successes this year. They're not nearly the biggest movies of the year, but they're reasonable successes. So based on our earlier predictions being based on those three movies and a few others, I'd say we kind of got that wrong. Elemental, that was another one that ended up making quite a bit of money. Of course, since then, Disney has done worse and has had even bigger flops, right. but I still think we were wrong in our prediction at the time. So, so basically you're saying monetarily they did acceptable when we when yeah. it was appearing that they were going to really yeah the, they they had legs enough to keep earning money on some of these movies and ended up with reasonable figures okay it seems like they were kind of betting on averages yeah to a I certain so. extent and well and maybe they were maybe they weren't but if you compare how well they did uh, just a few years ago and having multiple box office hits. I think in 2019, they had $7 billion movies. Yeah. And they didn't have one this year. So, right. Yeah. So if you compare to other years, and I know it's not really what we're doing, but based on kind of what we saw coming down the pipe, we're like, yeah, this is not going to be their best year. But 
you can also caveat that and say they are still making money. Right. And they're keeping the machine rolling. Of course, they also have presumably a huge amount of momentum. Yeah. And I think what we saw at the beginning of the year was they were still riding a wave of of good feeling that they'd cultivated for a century, basically. Mm -hmm. And then it seems like, at least with their last two releases, the Marvels and Wish, and we'll get more to those later, but it seems like that goodwill has run out. Yeah. So I think we were more or less seeing that they were going to lose lots of money. And, and that's correct. Yeah. But I think maybe it just looks s- better when you compared to everything else than it did in July. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that maybe maybe we'd say we were a year ahead of the curve on this one. Maybe six months ahead even. Maybe yeah. six months. I I think if I were Disney and <laughs> sitting on the board of Disney, I don't think I would sit and say, no, it was a successful year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, no, I don't think so either. How I many think people are getting fired? <laughs> I think if you worked on Elemental or Little Mermaid, you might be saying, don't fire me. Fire the people who worked on those other bigger flops. You mm-hmm. know, see, I, I delivered. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think if you're on Disney, you're not happy. Yeah. So no bonuses this year. <laughs> they did better than we predicted, but not great. Right. And in fact, they had bigger flops in the future when we were saying they were having a terrible right. year. Yeah. So we weren't completely wrong, but we weren't completely accurate either so that's why i put it as a casual team okay uh the other thing and this one i may not have talked about on air as much as i did off air but i did talk about it some on air is i thought ai was going to be a much bigger deal this year i think if you're watching this you're probably again thinking well ai is a big deal this year and it has been but i was expecting rapid global change on a level we have not seen we do see ai coming into all these fields now and being useful but it's just a little bit slower than I was expecting. I thought 12 yeah. months and the world will be a different place. I wonder if part of that is is for it to be more transformative. People have to become a little bit more familiar with it. Yeah. And be using it. Kind of like when the internet first hit, a lot of people were like, oh, this is new, exciting. These things called email and everything like that. It took a few years for the the public writ large to be engaging with it. Yeah. And I think the same story is probably with AI. It'll happen faster, I think. But people for AI really to work, people have to be using it and right. involved in it and exploring it. And that's still, it's happening. But. It's it's definitely happening. It's building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you use AI in your, in your job frequently, right, Andrew? Yeah, I sure do. And also along the lines of what I do and some of the people that I follow in that space, in particular, Seth Godin is a big name in marketing. And he at the beginning of the year, did a big conference that I tuned into and listened to. And he talked about AI. He actually opened the conference talking about AI because it was a big topic for this year. Yeah. And he said his words, and this is a paraphrase, but essentially AI is one of the most consequential and greatly misunderstood things of our time. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the way I've seen AI being used more nefariously is... (laughs) is within the kind of consumer field online, Mm. the reviews. Fascinating. There is a lot of like, uh, when you look into, especially people who are like supposed experts in a certain field giving their opinion on something. And so if you want to read about this individual, like their bio, you start reading through some of these bios, it doesn't take long for you to realize that this is complete AI generated. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of that starting to happen. I think the email analogy was a good one. I think like with email, you're seeing the nefarious actors adopt it faster than anybody else. Right. I've been seeing, I saw three yesterday, I think, of these edited, I I assume AI is used to edit to, to get the words they need, videos of specifically Jesse Waters from Fox News saying Bill Gates has announced hundred million dollar giveaway. And you can tell like it's edited, it's cut, you know, to get him to say the right words in the right way. But if you're just scrolling by casually, like, whoa, Bill Gates has given away a hundred million dollars to people. How do I get this? And you click their link or whatever it is they want you to do. And then you benefit the spammer. Yeah. It's Uh, not real. It's not real, but you're seeing lots of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's also been major publications who have been busted for AI generated content. Right. Don't quote me, but I think that Sports Illustrated might have been one. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, if we can take a pause real quick. Yeah. Well, let me just see about that. What this is? I, I know that it was a. Uh, this is important to mention, actually. Okay. Here's a article from BBC, which isn't the best anymore. But the CEO of Sports, owner of Sports Illustrated, was fired after they were accused of publishing artic- articles generated by AI. Okay. So let's so, yeah. uh, let's back up and just comment on that. So additionally, there have been some publications, mm-hmm. uh, one in particular, Sports Illustrated, right. that has been busted for using AI to generate content. So it's not just like these spammy type yeah. things that you see online. or I'm also seeing like time-wasting things as well that are AI generated. Right. It's just, you know, but, pictures of knights or something but like But I that. mean, you think, those interesting little online things. All right. Well, that's just the online world sports illustrated. And can you imagine even larger publications, just wholesale AI generating content saying like, Oh, I wrote this. Yeah. I wrote the prompt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be a question going forward. And, uh, and we talked about this at the beginning of the year in an episode that's no longer available, but in school, it's not possible distinguish AI from student generated content lots of the time. Or it can be hard to, it can be very, it can be very hard. And some of the tools used to, you know, tell you it's AI or not, are not very reliable. So it's just, it's almost, unless they're bad at using the AI, it's almost impossible to catch a student using AI to write their essay or whatever. So, you know, that's, it, it definitely has changed the world since I think it was like November of last of 2022 when, when chat GPT four came out. I think one of the biggest issues here is going to be the power of generating a million dollars as kind of the barometer for Mm. business and viability of business and how many human beings it takes to generate a million dollars. Yeah. And that becoming less and less and less as AI, what it does is really it augments individuals. Yeah. So if you're already a professional, it's going to augment your abilities with some very legitimate uses and some nefarious uses. And yeah, it's yet to be determined the ethics that will be established in the workplace. For and that. you've got people like from the Pope to Elon to presidents around the world saying, we got to slow down on AI. This is dangerous. It's a threat mm-hmm. to humanity. I don't know that I buy that. I'm not opposed to slowing down a little bit either, but I don't know that it's a, I buy it's a threat to humanity. Yeah. So we thought that, you know, by the end of the year, it was going to be out of control and, Everyone would have basically. I was thinking we might have individual AIs by now, which we d- we don't. Yeah. I mean, Andrew is actually real. Uh, he's I, not, I know he's not AI mm-hmm. generated. So. Unfortunately, yeah. we, we <laughs> do have plans for an AI generated uh, uh, host who's going to stand in the center of the table. But yes, uh, it's going to be a little while before we get there. 
it's probably like more like three to five years before we see like the world has changed. Well, I mean, if you, the world has changed just in this past year, not as much as I was saying, but yeah, I think in three to five years, it won't be the world has changed by then. It will be the world has been changing the whole time. And in three to five years, it'll be like, whoa, that's what I, didn't I mean. Even realize AI has infiltrated yeah. every aspect of yeah, my life. I think that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so that's our casualties, Disney and AI. And that was it. Out. We were only wrong on two that's things. That's the only thing we've ever been wrong on, actually. <laughs> yeah, all uh, the other things that we didn't talk about don't count. Right, correct. <laughs> if we don't voice an opinion, we can't be wrong. And that actually sounds like something a politician might think. But anyhow, <laughs> actually, now we're finding the opposite, where if you don't voice an opinion on something, you can, you can definitely you can be still wrong. be wrong. Yeah. Yes. All right, well, let's move on to things we got right. So okay. we're calling these our PopCon prophecies, where we were prophetically looking into the future and divining secrets unknown to mankind. Yes. Or, or we were just guessing. Or yeah. we were just yeah. guessing, but we're, we're not, that's not what happened. We, <laughs> Are you a gambling man? So these prophecies will demonstrate just the power of our auguries, how oracular we truly are. Indeed. I'm throwing these big words at you. Yes, that word he said. <laughs> I don't know either of those words. <laughs> they both just mean prophecy, basically. Oh, okay. So the big one that I think we, a lot of people were surprised by that didn't surprise us at all is that the movie event of the year was Barbieheimer. Yeah. Which is the release of, of two movies, the Barbie movie and the Oppenheimer biopic. At the same time. At the same weekend. And apparently the producer for Oppenheimer went to Margot Robbie and was like, you should move Barbie. And she was like, no, if you're scared, you move. That's actually pretty funny. That's, yeah. And she tells that story. So, you know, if, if it's wrong, blame Margot Robbie, not me. But I think... For me, it was just obvious these were going to be a smash hit because they kind of covered the whole market. You had the more masculine movie in Oppenheimer, and then you had the more feminine movie in Barbie, and I think it's skewed age-wise as well. You, you kind of got the whole audience encapsulated in just those two movies. Yeah, you got everyone into the theaters in one weekend. Right. Right. But who? which movie was the heads and tails winner? Yeah, so Barbie ended up taking home the, the biggest amount of money with $636 million domestically. And I'm really not surprised by no. that. No, but that is, until like Star Wars Force Awakens, no movies ever made $600 million in, in just the US. That didn't happen. Yeah. And now it's happening more and more frequently. Uh, and then Oppenheimer in the US only made $325 million, which is still huge. But then overseas, it made $600 million more. So Barbie ended up with, I think, $1.3 billion in Oppenheimer with $950 million. Uh, which is, that's humongous. Uh, 1.4 for Barbie. So I was a little mm. bit low, actually. And then let's make sure on Oppenheimer. Yeah, 950 million. So we weren't surprised by that at all, I don't no. think. Uh, that's why no, we I think at the time we were yeah. we were pretty sure we're predicting, and I still abide by this prediction, Barbie will be go down in history, kind of like, almost like a Star Wars. It will be... It'll be a cult it'll classic. Launch, it will, a cult classic. Well, it's not even cult. Well, it'll just be a classic. A classic, yeah. and it will launch a franchise. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see either Barbie or Oppenheimer win some Oscars, but uh, I haven't heard any news about Oscar nominations for him yet, so... Barbie not. will. I mean, it checked all the boxes that Oscars demands now. Yeah, well, it sure did. I guess it did, it but did. you'd think Oppenheimer's the more obvious Oscar bait movie. Does it? Does it have enough diversity? Right. It may not. It may just be too many white yeah. men in that movie. Yeah. I mean, it has. I mean, how dare it reflect it? history? But <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So those those easily our biggest. We were correct. We knew this was coming. It happened. We weren't surprised. Yeah. Uh, and then the other event that 
you know, I think maybe our listeners uh, may have been like, why are they talking about this? Was when we talked about Travis, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift dating being a big deal. Yes. Uh, I think you might be thinking, you know, why, why does anyone care about this? I'm still thinking that, honestly. <laughs> well, it's, it's maybe the biggest celebrity news of the entire year. And they're still yeah. dating it. And every time she, Taylor, goes to a Chiefs game, it still makes news headlines. Well, on that note, it's kind of hilarious. One of our editors here every day is sending us updates of headlines of <laughs> Uh, the Travis and Taylor, whatever it is they're doing. And the only reason is because it is on Fox News yep. every day, and he's forced to see it. Yep. And he wouldn't go and search it out if it weren't part of his job, but he has to see it. So it's like, all right, well, I'm just going <laughs> to pass it on. Here's the <laughs> Share the pain. Here's what. So do you think that's actually because there's somebody at Fox News assigned to do that, or they have an AI on it? Oh man, that's a great question. I, I somebody, bet there's I somebody, somebody, and I wouldn't I mean, be that dumb. It would be like, <laughs> why? Well, no, I, I actually, <laughs> I won't go there because it's a big tangent. But I think it's probably a real person. And yeah, the fact of the matter is, Taylor Swift is as big as pop stars get. I think she is. She is now, the pop star of I, the world right, right now. I think now she is comparable, maybe not surpassing, but she's comparable to. Elvis, and she's comparable to Michael Jackson in yeah. terms of how big she is. And Madonna. And Madonna. Yeah, yeah that was the next one I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Back in the day. It took <laughs> Taylor Swift dating this guy who is probably... The <laughs> I mean, one of the most successful NFL players. Yeah, he's the greatest in history for the position he plays, I oh, believe. Wow. Okay. And the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Last year, yeah. Yeah. And, well, it was this year, wasn't well, it? Well, yes, it was the last yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, and then 23. Yeah. yeah. So... And, and February? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, obviously, if you watch football, you know who... You knew who Travis Kelsey was. Yes. Yeah. But now it's like you really know who this guy is, and it's because of Taylor. But yeah. I just think it's so interesting, interesting that you can be the pinnacle of national football. Which is, the Super Bowl is still the largest sporting event televised in the world, I think. Yeah. Is it bigger than the World Cup? World Cup in terms of televised and a single game, I think it is. Okay. Well, yeah. It's just interesting yeah. that she's it, just she's so he's, much bigger. He's than hugely, wildly successful, but she's just on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. And while we're talking about her, she Taylor Swift also had the eleventh biggest domestic movie of the year mm -hmm. with her the Eras Tour movie. Taylor Swift the Eras Tour which made $178 million in the U.S., which is the 11th biggest. You can literally show. put out a movie of your show. Of, of your concerts, yeah. And <laughs> people will go and see that as much or more than your actual concert. Right. In theaters. Yep. Wow. You know, we can only hope to reach Taylor <laughs> Swift heights one day. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So those are our casualties and our prophecies, I think. You know, a lot of people might have doubted us on Travis and Taylor, but, you know, they're, they're a big deal. It's a big deal. Fox News thinks so. Yeah. So moving on to our next award, uh, we, we have a few to discuss, but I think there's just really one big one here. The woke trend of the year, which is a trend among people who are woke that we find personally incredibly distasteful and irritating. Yeah. Downright evil in this case. Right. Or, so do you want to yeah. tell them what it is, Andrew? Yeah, it's the support of the terrorist organization Hamas. Literally, yeah. 
actively supporting terrorists and their 10-7 attack on Israel. Incredible. It, and they're shutting, they're still shutting down highways in LA, I think last night in New York in the past week, you know, BLM, when all this happened, tweeted out that picture of the paraglider, which is, that's a terrorist on that image. There's no other reason to have a paraglider. Yeah, that's the woke trend of the year. I both didn't see that coming and should have, and I think everyone should have. Uh, I don't know how you would say should have in that case, because, I mean, you would have had to say you you should have seen Hamas's attack coming. That's true. That's true. So, so no one saw 10-7 coming, so then no one foresaw that the woke would then go all in on supporting Hamas in, in Palestine. Yes, but to that point, we can say based on, you know, the BLM movement mm-hmm. and essentially like the Marxist ideas of the oppressor-oppressed dynamic. And the, the talk about decolonization and how all colonizers are evil that's been going on for a decade now. No matter what happens... If there is a perceived oppressed group and a perceived oppressor group, there is always going to be a default to the perceived oppressed group, no matter how heinous their crimes. And no matter how false that perception is. Because, yes. so in I, fact, Israel is the oppressed group. So a 10-7 could have happened in any other... Di- like any other dynamic of that it could have been, I don't think... I can't think of any examples, but something totally unrelated to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And it would have still been a default to whatever that perceived oppressed group was. Right. And we saw that earlier this year with the Nashville shooting even. Right. You had these people defending and basically uh, exculpating the shooter who was a trans something. I don't remember what gen. I think she was a girl. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. And in fact, but they were defending her because, oh, she's trans and she shot Christians. So that must mean she was actually the good guy. Right. And it's just like, that's not how that works. Incredible. <laughs> so yeah, that's our woke trend of the year is supporting Hamas. Yeah. Literally, we've seen the high elite um, offices of Ivy League schools speaking before the government. Mm-hmm. Congress. Elise Congress. Stefanik, yeah. yeah. And refusing to say that it's against their policy to call for genocide. Right. If I showed up to Harvard... Yeah, if I was an invited guest, I showed up and I said, there are only men and women and men can't become women and women can't become men. I'd be out of there instantly. I know. But if you walk through and confront Jewish students and say, intifada, intifada, apparently that's okay. I think there is something that on the left and the right we have always agreed on, and that is that the limit of speech is when you call for violence against another person or group of people. Right. It's not hard. But schools have even more leeway. They can shut down speech in a way that the government can't. They, schools, you don't have free speech at a school. You know, that bothers me, but that's just the way it works. But Harvard is fine shutting it down everywhere else. But suddenly when it comes to intifada, intifada, well, that's a free speech issue and we support free speech and we can't possibly tell them. It depends on the context for you to be allowed to call for the genocide of an entire people. Yes. Yeah. And I thought the best moment of that congressional hearing (laughs) was when one of the three heads of it was MIT... Penn State? Penn State and Harvard. And Harvard. No, UPenn. UPenn. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, we don't want to get that wrong. Right. And one of them was saying, you know, it depends on the context, and if the words become actions, then that would be against our code of conduct. And Elise Stefanik, who was questioning them, was like, so calling for genocide is fine, 
but they would have to actually commit genocide for it to be against our code of conduct. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing her, but that's, that's effectively what she said. Yeah. yeah, And what they said as well. Uh, it's just absolutely mind boggling. And one of them has lost their job now, which that's, yeah. fun. that's nice. I appreciate yes. that. And that, I think that was after, I think that was Harv, was it Harvard? No. No, she's still oh, there. Oh, was it UPenn? Uh, UPenn. UPenn. Yeah. And that was when like a $300 million endowment was pulled. Yeah. Uh, or a hundred million. hundred million. hundred yeah. million. A lot yeah. of the big donors who've just been blind to all the problems in these schools are finally like, now you want to destroy Israel. I guess I should pull up my funding. And it's well, like. A lot of those people are Jewish. Well, I'm glad they're finally doing it, but where were you a decade ago? Yeah. Uh, but you know, better late than never. Okay, so that's our woke trend of the year. <sighs> Lovely. Love these woke people and their woke ideology calling for literal genocide. Yeah. Uh, what's what's on happier news? What's the woke defeat of the year? I think there's a few things, but there's like mm. one big one, I think. Bud Light. Bud Light. Bud Light. They, this vice president apparently thought sending Dylan Mulvaney a case of beer with his face on it and having him promote Bud Light in March was going to be a great idea and... Who boy were they ever wrong? I don't know if that was the biggest marketing fail in history. It's got to be, but right? But it's going to be it's up there. I mean, they're going to teach about this in marketing schools for decades. <laughs> decades. And it's already become a proverb, the Bud Light treatment. Yep. Like mm. this is huge the amount of of loss from being America's top beer to being, I don't even know what place they are now, but they're not the top beer anymore. And they haven't been, and they're probably never going to be again unless they actually apologize. Yeah. Well, don't throw your customer base under the bus. Yep. Yeah. Because guess what? You rely on them for your very existence. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Incredible. When you bow to the woke mob, you will, you know. Go woke. Go woke. Go broke. Go broke. Yep. Yeah, the thing that corporations try to do is play both sides. Mm-hmm. And I think- they're, they have traditionally bet on we can kind of bow to the woke mob and give them some stuff, and we're going to make some conservatives mad. But at the end of the day, conservatives, they just want two things. They want to be left alone, and they want to have the products that they've always enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And they're more interested in the quality of the product and the, and the tradition of the product than anything else. And they're just going to roll over and let it happen and they're still going to buy the product. I but, think that's probably what happened here. I, yeah. I bet they were thinking, oh, the conservatives and the frat people who we don't really want to buy our beer anymore, but they're the ones who do, they're not even going to hear about Dylan Mulvaney getting a case of beer. So it's not going to be a big deal. We'll just win over LGBTQIAS, blah, 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 people. Yeah. We'll get our points with the community over here, and uh, then we'll make everybody happy. Right. Right, and they're not going to stop drinking Bud Light. They've been drinking Bud Light for 40 years. Well, turns out. That was a <laughs> fatal miscalculation. <laughs> yeah. So that's easily the woke defeat of the year. There were a few other things, though. The Snow White controversy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Disney tried to is still trying to pull out of a tailspin on that one. I would yeah. call that more of a woke retreat. Yeah. Yeah, than fair. Than a woke defeat. But... Rachel Ziegler's comments about it's not 1937 anymore and we don't need the princess to be rescued by the prince anymore. That, I think, has been soundly trashed and defeated across all of the culture. Well, going back to our, our, you know, casualty prediction where we mentioned Disney, there we have noticed, especially the second half of this year, where I would say publicly a lot of folks have soured on Disney 
And, and, and we're going to get to that later. I've got yeah, the biggest so, flops category. So, yeah, when we come to that. But, I mean, it's what is 2024 going to look like for them? It, um, that's a big question It I is have. a big question. They've already moved a lot of their movies back. Snow White, they pushed a whole year yeah. because Daily Wire was going to release a, their own Snow White at the same time. And they were scared, so they moved. That's not as good for Daily Wire. It would have been better, I think, having the competition. But they get theirs out first, so that's still an advantage. So we'll see how that ends up. But yeah, I, I just think the fact that the culture at large said, hey, we actually like it when the princess is rescued by the prince sometimes. In response to Rachel Ziegler's comments, that's just encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. That, you know, yeah, there's nothing wrong with Rex, with a brave prince rescuing the princess who's good at being a princess but isn't a warrior. Like, that's fine. That's that's normal. So the the other kind of woke defeat or maybe retreat this year was, and and this might be more blow to the woke was the Pandaverse episode of South Park. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was funny. And I think South Park's South Park is big enough that when it says something, people listen. So I think that that may have been the biggest body blow to the whole mm-hmm. woke movement in movies. And year. that was directed at Disney. Yeah. Specifically at Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. yeah. And they say her name dozens of times in that episode. Yeah. And she's the president. She's the head of Lucasfilm. Yeah. Has yeah, yeah. Important yeah. role at Disney now as right. well. And essentially she's being blamed for just ruining everything by changing all the characters for she's being blamed for putting a chick in it and making it lame and gay. That's that was the line from the South, line from yeah, South Park. That was it. And, and it's kind of true. Even some things that I didn't know characters had been replaced because I was exposed to the show before the book. Uh, I've discovered recently, oh, they made him lame and gay. They did do that. Yeah. So I, you know, that's not maybe a defeat because Disney hasn't backed down really. Uh, they've said they're going to focus more on good stories, but they haven't tremendously backed down. But it was a good moment. I just wanted to highlight the Pandaverse episode. All right. I think I have here a culture war wrap up for this year, but I, don't, I think we've kind of covered it. Yeah, it seems uh, like we it have. It seems like we've made progress this year in the culture war and the woke is ebbing, but it's it's still very much progress. I mean, the point we could make is is the increased development of alternate alternative media studios yeah. like Daily Wire. The Blind LLC. The, the, the Blind the LLC. Robert, Robertson's, the... Right. Stuff Jim Angel Caviezel's Studios. does. Angels, yeah, yeah, Angel Studios. So all those are big successes this year, I would argue. Yeah, for sure. And we'll touch more on Angel Studios in just a second. But first, we've kind of been waiting for this. The biggest flops of this year. I think there's two or three that really stand out, but there were a lot of movies that underperformed this year. Just some honorable mentions, Indiana Jones, which, you know, you think Indiana Jones is going to earn lots of money. Not really. 170 more... Four million in the U.S. and only two hundred million more worldwide. So, so it didn't make budget. I don't have its budget pulled up. Probably just barely. Yeah. Prob- well, and if you include marketing, probably it didn't. Okay. Mission Impossible ended up kind of being a flop because I think it was just too close to Oppenheimer and Barbie. Now, this is just a legitimate question with that one. Did they release both of those this year or just the first one? No, just part one. Just part one. Okay. That's the whole point of having a part one, <laughs> so they can drag it out. Yeah, But the, the really big flops this year were the Marvels. Maybe that's the biggest commercial flop ever, where it didn't even make back its budget of $200 million, leaving aside marketing. This movie was supposed to be a Marvel tentpole, and it made like $174 million in the U.S. No, no, no. $83 million in the U.S. and 202 worldwide. Wow. And the budget on this movie was at least $200 million. And then marketing is usually double that. So that's just a staggering 
staggering lows. That's the lowest performing Marvel movie ever, including like the Incredible Hulk from 2008. Wow. <laughs> this is just hard to believe you can, you can miss that much. And then the other one is Wish. Oh my goodness. Uh, which I don't think Wish is done yet, but these are both Disney movies. I think w- Wish is technically still running, but it's earned $100 million worldwide, and it's been out really? for 22 days. Wow. That is a swing and a miss. Right, and Wish is supposed to be another Disney classic, like you know Beauty and the Beast kind of thing. So it should have been a big release. That's what they yeah. wanted it to be. And it turns out when you make a story of about essentially redistribution of wealth and giving everybody whatever they want and taking the power away from the big patriarchy, mm-hmm. then people don't want to see that stupid movie. <laughs> and, and from people who aren't political, I've also been hearing critiques of Wish that the animation just does not seem up to snuff. Really? And like the music, they're tired of Lin-Manuel Miranda writing all the Disney songs now. They want a return to more classic kinds of Disney music. They're just not happy with it all over. So... Yeah, that's that's a big deal for a, a huge Disney animated release to barely make a hundred million dollars. Listen up, Disney. Yes, please do. And then there were an, there was another flop this year, but I can't remember what it was. So we may just move on. Indiana Jones, Wish, Marvel. Yeah, there was something else I was going to mention, but it, it doesn't matter. Uh, there was kind of a surprise hit in Five Nights at Freddy's. I didn't really expect that, but that's a horror movie, anyhow. That was just strange to me. Yeah. So. Our biggest category of the episode is going to be our movie of the year, and we haven't actually picked one yet. We've got a few in contention, I think. So, Andrew, thinking about the movies specifically we reviewed, but then also you can expand it to other movies that came out this year. We reviewed Barbie, we reviewed Oppenheimer, Haunting in Venice, Napoleon, The Blind, Lady Ballers, and I guess The Pandaverse, but that wasn't a movie. Yeah. Well, I actually have to say it's one that we didn't review. Okay. And... I won't say that it's the best movie, but it's probably the most important movie, mm. and that is The Sound of Freedom with yeah. Jim Caviezel, Angel Studios. Yeah, I think it's got to be the most important. If you do, haven't followed it since it came out, Sound of Freedom is a movie about rescuing children from sexual slavery, and it's based on true story, and and it's about this huge sexual slavery cabal that does exist worldwide and, and how you can fight against it. And this movie made $250 million worldwide. On a tiny budget. Yeah, shoestring in comparison to big Hollywood. Right, so that's that's a huge win for them. That's enough to launch their next several movies. They've got one in theaters right now, The Shift. Haven't gotten to see it yet, but I look forward to it. Yep. I think that's a good pick. Uh, we can we can discuss yeah. it. Thomas? It's kind of tough. I'm going to go with more of the classic rationale, and I'm going to say Barbie was the... Uh, a big mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. It was it was the biggest moneymaker for yeah. sure. It was yeah, for uh, sure. Kind of like I was saying earlier, I think this is launching a franchise. I think that's no Absolutely. question. If they don't follow up, there it yeah. is. It's a, it's an immediate classic. It hits a segment, you could argue. It's kind of like a movie for the target audience was obviously women, but it's it's more broad than that and I think that uh, you know, it's there's going to be there's going to be several more coming out of this, I think. I mean, you can't, it's hard to argue with those numbers too. Yeah. And it was genuinely entertaining. I know it got a lot of flack and in some of it, rightfully so, there was definitely some strong woke feminist elements in it. But I think but, we were expecting it to be much stronger. Yeah. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't for the most part, it wasn't preachy like we like woke tend to be. Right. And none of us here played with Barbie as much as a kid, if at yeah. all. Yeah. Maybe we had friends who were girls who did, but, but we didn't. 
So like we weren't the target audience, but I think we all enjoyed it. I think we were like, yeah, yeah that was a good movie. I don't. I'd watch it again, that. honestly. Yeah, I, I would too. I've been trying to get my family to watch it actually, and they won't. But well, they need to. Yeah, maybe once I have a copy, I can show them. If I and technically, I do think in my mind, I still I think it was a musical. I don't know if I'd say a full musical, but there was definitely some strong musical elements in it. There was just the one. The one big song, right? like Ken. There, there was yeah. the one big song, but there was a lot of singing, and there was and there were several dancing episodes and stuff like that. So it wasn't, yeah. There was the one big song, but it yeah. was throughout. So okay, all right, I guess. I bet it's also you know got car chases and and Pratt falls and Will Ferrell flipping over desks and stuff. It's not a musical, but it, it does have some musical elements. Yeah. I think those are good picks, Sound of Freedom and Barbie. I'll say one that y'all didn't mention, just because I actually do think this is a, I think it's a movie that we're going to have to digest for a long time, and that's Oppenheimer. Yeah. I was just now looking at the numbers. Like I said earlier, it made $600 million overseas, only 300 here in the U.S., and it's a movie about a bunch of Americans building the atomic bomb that the U.S. used on Japan. You'd think that's pretty much just going to get U.S., you know, Americans to come watch it. But apparently the world was yeah. very interested. Well, it captured a moment that changed the world. Yeah, truly one of the biggest inventions ever. There's no one on Earth today that is not impacted by nuclear weapons. Yeah. Because if they are ever used in the capacity that is Anywhere close to what Oppenheimer used, you know, in Japan, the Oppenheimer Project. I know it wasn't called the Oppenheimer Project. Yeah, Manhattan um, Project. The Manhattan Project was used on Japan. That impacts everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and still here we are 70 years later, 80 almost, uh, and that still remains the only time nuclear weapons have been used mm -hmm. in, in a war. And today we're on the brink of some other huge world conflict likely yeah and probably a more dangerous situation than even the cold war right and, and we're wondering again what does this mean yeah i think everyone has had at some point in their lives to wrestle with the what happens if there's a general nuclear exchange and large parts of the world's world is radioactive and or just dead uh, and and no one has a satisfactory answer to that because nukes exist. So I think Oppenheimer is, it's one of the first big budget movies to try to deal with that question, especially since the Cold War. There may have been some stuff during the Cold War I don't know about, but it's the only movie I can think of that really deals with that question of, we built this world-destroying device, what now? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't provide an answer, but it, it's thoughtful and it, it inspires you to be thoughtful about it, I think. And that's why it's it's going to be my movie of the year pick. Okay, Good pick. Yeah. So... Sound of Freedom, again, I do think, I agree, most important movie of the year because it has the most important message. Barbie, most successful, makes sense. It's easily the biggest blockbuster movie. Oppenheimer doesn't really fall in the traditional blockbuster category, but I think just because of how important nuclear weapons are, that that's, that's my pick. I think those are all three strong picks. Okay, so that's, that's all we have for 2023, pretty much. No, oh, we, we the have viral moment. The oh, I, I, yeah, I didn't write that down. Okay, viral moments. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah. All right, so... Andrew, do you want to... Since this was kind of your moment from the beginning, I think, right? Well, it was, and I have to say, I guess in some ways, this is almost like a prophecy category, too, because mm -hmm. I chose both of these topics to cover on the show, 
Um, and they happen to be two number one on Google Trends yeah, items. If you, if you for look on Google Trends, the number one, number one and two song and the number one and three musician. Yeah. Are, so the number one song is Jason Aldean. Jason Aldean's Try This in a Small Town. And then number two is Oliver Anthony's Richmond, North of Richmond. And, and that one's a country song and one's a... It's like a traditional Appalachian Yeah, it's type. kind of a soulful whale kind yeah. of a song. Mm-hmm. Bluegrass elements. It's not a traditional pop hit. Not at all. And both of them... Were they weren't necessarily political? They were really more cultural. Yeah. I would say they were politicized for sure, greatly. But I just think it's interesting that these songs that are about people who are feeling their culture being eroded and they're feeling the 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 weight of a bad economy and forces around them that are destroying everything that is important to them. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about established, deep-rooted cultures that are being destroyed or being threatened. Just and, the culture of you help little old ladies across the street, you don't rob them. That exactly. Kind of culture. Yeah, and that would be you know, referencing the Jason Aldean mm-hmm. song. And then, of course, Oliver Anthony, he's just talking about things are tough for everybody. The economy is terrible, and the powerful elite people who are supposed to be serving us are up there just taking everything for themselves and destroying the little man. Mm-hmm. And it resonated. I remember watching the Oliver Anthony in particular rise and he was a nobody. Right. Like he didn't have a, a record deal. He just had a little YouTube channel with, you know, but no, nobody couple thousand people following him and he ignited like a rocket yep. and, I remember my wife and I were just watching every day. We had checked how many more million views did he have? How many more million views on YouTube? And it was like 2 million, now 5, now 8, now 12. Oh, my gosh. And now I think he's at 102 million views. Wow. And he is currently, I guess, a one-hit wonder with the potential to to broaden that. Oh, most definitely. And he's been doing tours all over the place. And he has said himself he's not really – very political. He's mm-hmm. claimed to be more of a middle of the road sort of guy. A lot of conservative voices kind of tried to grab on to him. In, fa- in fact, in the uh, Republican debate, they tried, yeah. they played his song, yep. and he commented and said, <laughs> "I was singing about you guys." Right. So that was interesting. But in spite of all that, you know, he captured what just about everybody—the backbone of America and the salt of America is feeling right now as the cost of eggs and milk and gas and yeah all those things just keep on rising yeah yeah and it's killing everybody or it has been yeah so yeah he was the number three most googled musician for this entire year and he was before what was it july august nobody had heard of him no and he's going on joe rogan yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It's yeah. it, it truly is. It's incredible. like a rags to riches story. Yep. And, you know, there's been speculation that he's an industry plant. I don't know about any of that. I don't think you can. It's not when you listen to the song. That's not a that's something you have plant. to feel. Yeah. You yeah. can't make that song if you don't feel it. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the viral moment of the year is is Oliver Anthony's Richmond, North of Richmond, I would say. Although try that in a small town was was a big deal yeah. as well. Yeah, we wrote about again all of the I'm sorry, Oliver Anthony, and 
you might tell that he's probably one of my favorites. In yeah. fact, my Spotify wrapped, he's like my number two artist. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but I would say about Oliver Anthony, that song may end up becoming the protest song of a generation. You're right. It might it might be up there with Born in the USA and those kind of songs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, number two song on Google Trends and number three musician out of nowhere. That's that's impressive. And and both of those songs, Try That in a Small Town in Richmond, North of Richmond, beat another song, which was very catchy, very big at the beginning of the year called Unholy by yeah. Sam Smith and Kim Petras, which is exactly the erosion of morals and culture. <laughs> it's the opposite. That, yeah. that, that yeah, these two songs are protesting. It's just yeah. pure satanic debauchery, essentially. Is right, what it's, it is. it's literally talking about a husband cheating on his wife, I think. So yeah, <laughs> it's not a good song. No. So I'm glad... It took third place. I wish it had fallen farther, but at least these two beat it. Uh, all right. So that was the viral moment. Was there another category I forgot, or should we? No, I think I think we hit them there. Okay. All right. So just kind of looking ahead to 2024, specifically movies, but other cultural things you you are excited about. What are we excited about in 2024? For me, big one is Dune 2. I'm super excited for Dune 2. I think it's coming out on March 1st. And it's going to finish the first Dune book and maybe even touch on the second Dune book a little bit. As far as movies, I'm with you. I think that's the one. I mean, I was upset uh, that it got moved out mm-hmm. of, you know, I was anticipating that was going to be a fun one to do here in 2023. But yeah. we got it to look forward to to 2024. Yeah, so I'm really juiced for that one as well. I am a big fan of Westerns, and I really actually like more modern Westerns. And Kevin Costner's going to be in one coming up. Um, I don't recall the name of the film, but, you know, some of my favorite films are Dances with Wolves or the Kevin Costner and Duvall film Open Range. Yeah. Those are two of my favorite Western films. Uh, And they're newer compared to a lot of classics. But So the Kevin Costner one coming in 2024 is called Horizon American Saga. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that just because... I like Kevin Costner and Westerns. Yeah. That's a personal preference. We'll see if it's any good. I hope it is. Yeah. Disney has a few things coming out next year that might be big. You know, we'll see after this year. See if they can recover. Let's huh? see. Yeah. They've got Deadpool 3 coming out, which this is the first Deadpool movie that's coming out under the Disney umbrella. So it's a little bit independent still. So I'm a big fan of Deadpool. I really like the first and second movies. We'll see about this one. They're pitching it as a May release, which kind of that's where you put your big movie of the year. That's kind of discouraging for me because Deadpool needs to be edgy. And I feel like if you're releasing it in May, you're going to tone down how edgy it is. So we'll see. Isn't Ryan Reynolds still? Oh yeah. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is easily the best person you could get to play Deadpool. Okay. We just saw this trailer for a new movie came out yesterday. I think the civil war trailer. That's interesting. Yeah. And they're releasing it in the spring, I think. Yeah. In April. And this is these are the same folks that did like twenty eight days later. Yeah, I was looking him up. The director he's done some really good movies. I think he did Annihilation, and he did I don't have him pulled up right now, but he did another movie I liked, and I was like, okay. I find yeah. it fascinating I mean, that they're releasing a movie about a modern civil war in America in an election year that yeah. is a very contentious election year that we're predicting yeah. with a world 
that is right on the brink of something. Right. And, you know, a possible presidential candidate could end up in jail before the election. You know, there's, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of things happening. Like, why are you releasing this now? (laughs) But then there's also some absurdities to it. Like there's going to be a Texas, California alliance. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it sounds like they say in the trailer. And it's like, Texas, California joining up to secede from the rest of the country (laughs) seems unlikely. (laughs) Yeah. And then Ron Swanson's the president. Yeah, yeah. And they mentioned the Florida alliance as well. So I guess those three and then some Western states are yeah. all. But that is strange. It's not the strangest Texas, California thing I've ever seen. In the West Wing TV show, they have an election where the Democrat wins Texas and the Republican wins California. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's, a, little bit that's a little bit weirder, but... Texas and California teaming up against everybody else. That's a weird one. A few other things coming out next year. Disney has the Percy Jackson show with the the author of the books highly involved in creating the show. So it should be accurate to his vision. He is unfortunately an incredibly woke person. So it's going to be filled with woke. And they've already replaced the blonde girl with the black girl, of course. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But... It'll probably be pretty accurate to the books. And then there's some sequels, Inside Out, Bad Boys 4. But, you know, I think I think Dune 2 is the one I'm easily the most excited for. Yeah. Anything else in 2024? There's an election. We're of excited course. for that. <laughs> I'm sure that will... Trepidatious, maybe. Yeah, it's probably... I mean, it's going to dominate... The election every, will dominate yeah, everything. I'm sure we'll be talking about especially, it. Yeah. Especially come, you know, late summer. It's just going to be everywhere. Yeah. Yep. All right, well... So what did we talk about? We talked about our, our casualties and our prophecies, which was, you know, just kind of a recap of everything we've talked about this year. The woke trend of the year, supporting Hamas. Goodness gracious, what's wrong with you people? Uh, the defeat, Bud Light, yeah. The the viral moment, Oliver Anthony. The Marvels just completely, completely flopping, which mm-hmm. warms my heart. <laughs> and then we, we didn't end up on one movie of the year. So if you have to pick one of our three, our three were Barbie, Oppenheimer, and... Sound of Freedom. If we had to just pick one and agree, I think I can drop Oppenheimer. Yeah, I I think that Barbie probably just from the you think Barbie just from the standpoint of like movies, like entertainment. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, I think because it's not a sequel to any movie that's been done. It's in that sense original, although of course it's based on a huge intellectual property. But yeah, I think in terms of original movies topping the box office, you 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 got to say that's impressive. Yeah, Yeah. agreed. Yeah. And, and then, so we'll wait to see if it win, what it wins, if it wins any Oscars. Yeah. And then uh, we haven't mentioned the second biggest movie of the year. I did watch it last night. I think it's pretty good. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. That one did uh, well, I heard. Yeah. It's made over a billion dollars. It's a big movie. Funny, well-versed in the world of Super Mario. If you're a fan of the game, I think you'll probably like this. Only bad thing I have to say is, is Princess Peach is too much of a woman who don't need no man. Yeah. <laughs> but... That's to be expected. Sure. All right. Well, I guess that's our episode for today. Well, one thing I would like to say is this is a special episode. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is the last episode for our season. Yep. This has been our first season in 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is our 27th episode, I believe, or 26th. 27th. Yes. I think this is our 27th episode. Uh, No, this this is 26th. This is our 26th episode. Okay. Yeah. And... It's been an interesting first year. I'm glad that we could cover everything. Um, yep. And yeah. we will be taking a break until For 24. Christmas yeah, I don't think New we'll New be Year's. able to get an episode out by the first week of January, but we should have one the second week of January. Yeah. So yep. second Thursday of January should be our first 
episode of, I guess, of our new season. Yeah, we'll have yeah. a new season starting PopCon 2. Yeah, mm-hmm. PopCon 2 in January. And uh, we're all planning to transition to women by then so that it's a female-led podcast. Yes, uh, and, and get ready. Yes. <laughs> but I just wanted to say I hope everyone in our audience and you guys as well have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, you as well. A Happy New Year. Yep. All right. Yep. Bye. <laughs>